Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to a new summer episode of Please Bet on Football Games. I am Joe. I guess I could be uh I could be the on-air talent now. And that makes you the host. Alex, what's up? I you just threw me a curveball right in the intro. I I'm the host now? Yeah, you're the host. You've graduated. All right. I appreciate the the promotion. I don't know what what I did to deserve this, but I'll take it. Uh, how's it going, man? Been quite a quite a break. Uh, you guys can find me at i underscore like underscore sports six. Oh yeah, I guess I should do that too, especially because some people might not even know about my Twitter account still. Um, I'm now at at Joe A underscore NFL. Yeah, definitely gonna be a little choppy. We are we are for sure out of practice, but it's a new football season. A lot of lot of things changed, and there's gonna be a ton of stuff to talk about going into this year. Yeah, there has been an extreme an extreme amount of change this offseason compared to what we're used to. We've, we're seeing quarter dude, Matt Ryan is on a new team and we're not blinking. Like that's not even a thing people care about. That's how much change we've had. And when when I hear that the NFL has chaos and upheaval, it kind of sounds like this. Because that's how you make money. <laughs> Man, no, not not losing anything over the break. That was the top tier, top tier. Um, all right. So let's talk about some football stuff, huh? Yeah, what do we got on deck for these people in the summer? Because what I mean, we're not Get it out of the way. We're not talking about Deshaun Watson. Uh, you want my legal opinions? That cost about $800 an hour. Uh, you want me to do legal research? That costs about $600 an hour. So, no. And we're not going to talk about I me. Mean, fuck, dude. I, we talk, we're going to talk about what's on film and what makes money. Yeah, we're, we're going to keep it mainly in football stuff. Deshaun uh, Watson things, there's, you know, uh, mainly it has been beaten into submission. We don't need to talk about it. You, you There's plenty out there if you want to get into that. Got to be careful when talking about submission and beating regarding Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Let's be careful. You're right. You're right. My bad. Um, all right. As far as football goes, we are going to talk about some quarterbacks and figure let's talk about the worst ones first. So each week we're going to go through a tier of quarterbacks, uh, go through, you know, uh, each grouping, talk about their pluses or minuses, anything we like. We're worried about them. Joe's going to go through all his film breakdown and we're going to start at the lowest side. So these are all of the C minus starting quarterbacks. Joe, who's number 32? So we're sticking to starting quarterbacks, which is literally the only reason this guy is going to make the list Tua tongue of Iowa, Miami Dolphins, worst starting quarterback in the NFL. All right. I, I think, you know, on its face, I probably agree with that, but I know you've done a lot more research than I have because you can't pay me to watch that much Tua. <laughs> yeah, unlike last year, I'm I'm not going to be doing a full breakdown on Tua. Um, I'm not going to be grading every snap the way I typically would because, frankly, he's outside my top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, overall, I have him ranked 46, and I know that's kind of a crazy take, but I don't care, and that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, the biggest thing with Tua, and I'm pretty sure everybody has known this for a while, is his arm strength is putrid. It is, it is on the caliber of a position player throwing a ball on like a Philly special type play. His maximum range is a good 35, 40 yards. Um, that's, not adi- that's not adequate. <laughs> I've given him a C for his arm strength. And frankly, I considered going to a C minus, which would be the only C minus I gave out. 
Um, now, the, the redeeming quality, uh, if you've been paying attention to what Tyreek Hill has said lately, the redeeming quality is supposed to be his accuracy. But his accuracy is a little bit of a misnomer, even at Alabama. I gave him a B plus for accuracy, but a C for precision. Precision is accuracy is if you can hit a bullseye when you shoot 10 arrows. Precision is how closely grouped those arrows are. So if you hit one bullseye and then like nine arrows miss the target, that's accurate, but it's not precise. If you shoot 10 arrows and all 10 of them are just right outside the bullseye dot, that's very precise, even though it's not perfectly accurate. So precise is like a consistency thing. Yes. Um, Tua's consistency of accuracy, his, his precision is, is terrible. He's not accurate on a consistent basis. So while his accuracy is a B plus his, his precision's a C, which is amongst the worst. It's not, it's not the lowest tier of accuracy, but it's not too far off. Yeah. And the thing that I I've always remembered about him and I watched a, a good amount of him in Alabama because going into that draft year, he was talked about a lot. Um, and even there, he was classic of he could actually hit some really nice deep throws, you know, deep for him. But they'd be 40 yards downfield and he'd be dropping them into buckets for Devonta Smith. But he missed so many short and intermediate throws, like five to 15 yards. I remember Jerry Judy had to stop on so many routes <laughs> because yep. he just couldn't hit like the intermediate stuff and again i haven't watched a ton of dolphins or a ton of tua but i've watched a handful of him play and it doesn't seem like that's changed all that much he still struggles in kind of the intermediate even short uh where if it's more than five yards downfield i don't feel confident about him being able to hit it because he just throws so many complete ducks so another thing that people point to with tua is that you know, well, his rookie year, at least people tried to make the excuse that it wasn't fair to judge him because he was hurt because of the damage he did to his hip in his final game in Alabama. And while I always thought that was kind of bullshit, uh, there is an argument to be made that his mobility has been permanently altered by that injury because he is not, he was never going to be like a runner, like a Jalen Hurts when he was healthy at Alabama, but he is noticeably not mobile. In the NFL, he cannot get around outside. He is not fast. So one excuse that people tried to make for Tua early in his career was that you couldn't fairly judge him coming off that leg injury he had against Texas A&M. I thought that was kind of bullshit. Um, However, I will grant them if they think that it might have slowed him down, like literally as a runner, because his mobility, it was never great, but it's certainly not an asset. I don't even think it's I don't even think it's like quarterback starting league average. I have it as a C plus and I have his, I don't have him as being a playmaking quarterback. He's not going to run around in the pocket. He's not particularly good at navigating it. Athletically, he is fine. And again, his arm is extremely weak. So just as a physical specimen, low end, which makes his ceiling pretty low itself. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think he has some ability to navigate the the pocket and move around, but he's not someone that's going to, take off downfield and go pick up yards on a busted play. And I don't think he really has the arm talent to, you know, go roll out and throw off balance that often that it's going to make that much. So yeah, his, his athletic tools aren't doing it. So this brings us to the mental aspects of his game. I don't think they're bad. I just don't think that they're special at all. Um, His pocket intelligence, which is uh, pocket IQ is a um, an umbrella term that I use for how he navigates the rush, how he handles the pocket, uh, his ability to see all the routes um, and like the areas of the field he can actually mentally handle analyzing. I gave him a B 
Uh, it's fine. It's starting quarterback material, pocket awareness. It's fine. He's not loose with the ball. Uh, this is where fumbling often will come into play. I don't see fumbling as a particular issue for Tua going forward. Um, he, you know, he doesn't dangle it out there. He's got a pretty compact release. And processing-wise, it's kind of tough to tell because he is only throwing extremely short, quick-developing routes and RPOs. So, like, maybe he can't process. Maybe he can't get past the second read. And at Alabama, he never needed. And in Miami, he's not allowed to. So I gave him a B minus. It might be there. I'm not totally certain. Yeah, I think that one's kind of a a hard one to gauge, but that's solid. We haven't seen anything that says he's amazing at it. and We haven't seen anything to say that he's there. So finally, the last aspect of his game to analyze is just which areas of the field he is most comfortable attacking. I break accuracy down into three zones, deep, middle, and short. Short being checkdowns, that should be pretty self-explanatory. And then deep being anything that is beyond the safeties, like a streak, like a post that's very deep. Middle would be anything that falls in the middle there. Kind of self-explanatory. Despite having a terribly weak arm, which really limits his ability to throw deep, Tua is really accurate when throwing deep balls. Now, they don't go that deep. He can get it 30 yards downfield, like barely, which is super limiting because it means that your wide receiver has to win off of the snap within like five yards. And it's really difficult to win vertically within five yards unless you're, I don't know, Tyreek Hill and they're playing press. Uh, The Dolphins helped him out a little bit there and got him like Tyreek Hill. And they're going to pray that the Patriots keep on playing press. But to his accuracy deep is good. It's just he's not able to go very deep and he's not. There's there's only one way that you can utilize his deep accuracy. Does that make sense? I know that's kind of convoluted. No, I I know what you're saying because it's exactly what I saw when I watched him play, which is like those 30 to 40 yard throws are typically really good. Like I remember that from Alabama and what I've seen of him in the NFL, he drops them in really nicely, but he has just a very small window of where he's good at it because beyond 40, 45 yards, he can't, he just physically can't throw it that far. And then under that, he just wasn't really accurate, but in that level, he's great. Yeah, like like a Josh Allen, if Josh Allen's throwing a deep ball, it's anywhere from 30 to 80 yards downfield, right? Because he can he's legitimately got that range. And it might not be as accurate. And his accuracy may falter around 60 yards. So it's kind of difficult to compare. I don't use these stats as much of gospel as I would say arm power or general accuracy and precision. Those are the big three. It's kind of difficult. It's a little bit apples and oranges to say, oh, Tua, when he throws a 35-yard deep ball, it's so good. And Josh Allen... Some of his deep balls are 72 yards and they're not very accurate. Well, that's a fucking very different proposition. So take it with a grain of salt. If you run a nine route and the Dolphins wide receiver wins quickly and Tua can hit a man 30 yards downfield on that go route, it's probably going to be a pretty accurate ball. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Now, the middle of the field is where Tua struggles because contrary to popular belief, the intermediate, the second level that area between the linebackers and safeties, that's where you need to zip the ball in there. That's where arm strength really manifests itself. And even agnostic of Tua's arm strength, he puts a lot of balls behind. (laughs) And it might be because he doesn't have the zip to actually get the ball to the receiver in time at the second level because it has to be a hard throw. I don't know if it's just that he struggles with that depth perception, or if it's because his arm literally does not allow him to get the ball to the receiver quick enough with anticipation, but he's not good to the second level. It's not disastrous. It's not, spoiler, it's not Kyler Murray bad, but it's not good. And finally, finally, there's a short area 
uh, accuracy, which I gave him an A minus. I mean, Lord knows it's all he fucking does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from behind the line of scrimmage to like five, seven yards downfield, good stuff. Sure. He knows how to do them. It's like that 10,000 hours. And he's just, he's done a <laughs> hell of a lot of check downs. Granted, I don't, I was about to say like, I don't know who doesn't hit those. The next four quarterbacks we're about to talk about don't hit those. <laughs> so without further ado, you want to move on to quarterback 31? Yeah. It, it, tell me who's number 31. This is going to sound a little absurd, but it's Jalen Hurts also coming in with a 1.6 GPA. I mean, since we're only doing starters, I don't think that's uh, that's too crazy. Second worst, even though they made it to the playoffs last year. They were a playoff team. No, noted playoff team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't forget Philadelphia Eagles playoff. So the reason I think it might sound a little absurd on face value is because did you know that Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa used to play together? I I, I remember such a thing. Yeah. And as everybody remembers, Tua came in at halftime, rescued the national championship, took a hold of the starting job and never gave it back, except for maybe a couple of times when Tua really sucked and Jalen Hurts came in to rescue the team. Uh, that happened, by the way. A guy that everybody thought should go first overall in Tua was like pulled from college football games because he was not performing well and they needed a spark. That's a thing that happened. Um, Everyone has their off days. Yeah, and for Tua, it's just like all the days, except for that first day. That first day, that first day was pretty decent, and then every day since then has been like, anyhow. Jalen Hurts did lose the quarterback battle to Tua. Jalen Hurts is not a good quarterback. He's the second worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is a worse passer than Tua, but Jalen Hurts is a much better runner. And while it may be an egregious mistake to run the ball with your quarterback at Alabama when you have Najee Harris and an elite NFL stable of wide receivers. In the NFL, I'm looking at these guys in a vacuum. Jalen Hurts has a weak arm. It's a C plus. It's like bottom five, bottom 10. It's not bottom one, so it's better than Tua. Like Jalen Hurts can get the ball 40 yards downfield. It happens sometimes. It's not easy. He puts his life into the ball, but it can get down. It can get downfield. Additionally, Jalen Hurts is less accurate than Tua, but it's it's passable yeah it's b minus accuracy it's not it's certainly not franchise quarterback shit but he can he can play it's not gonna immediately murder you it'll kill you slow i mean he's he's not dropping passes into the grass left and right but he's still not accurate i mean there there are a lot of times watching their games and again not that i was a avid eagles watcher so i've definitely missed some things but he was not on target a ton with those receivers like those receivers got a little screwed by winning on a route and then having a ball that was uncatchable. Yeah, he hurts. Unlike Tua, Hurts doesn't put zip on the ball very well. Uh, he he's and that's a lot of accuracy is actually just being able to put that zip on the ball so you can fit the ball physically into a tight window. Um, and then precision is how often you can do that. Like how repeatable is it? Hurts isn't great in either measure. His accuracy is a B minus. It's okay. Um, and then his precision is a C plus, which is kind of bad. It's not good. Neither of these are starting like franchise quarterback that and frankly neither of these quarterbacks should be starting in the nfl right now they are not they're quarterbacks 45 and 46 in my entire rank they should not be starting um where hertz picks up a lot of ground on tua and gets the slight extremely slight nudge over tua in my book it's just that he's really mobile he is not the fastest dude but he's a powerful runner um he has a good vision for running too like he sees the yeah. field really well when he's well, he's built and runs like a running back. 
Like there's, there's the old joke about Lamar Jackson. Like, Oh, he's a running back. No, Lamar runs like a wide receiver. Like Jalen hurts is stout. He's built. He's a strong man. I mean, his deadlift videos are crazy. And this off season too, dude, I know. And he has like a nice up upright running style. So he can like, like kind of that Le'Veon Bell thing where he can stop quicker because he's not putting all of his momentum into speed, breaks some tackles. Like he's a load. You don't want to get hit by him unless you're a linebacker or a defensive lineman. Like he'll, he'll truck a DB. So that B plus pocket mobility is really helpful. Does a lot for him. And his pocket intelligence is actually pretty decent. It's, it's on Tua's level, except instead of being like a very average athlete, he's a good athlete. So you combine that ability to see the rush. You combine that ability to escape and create plays because Hertz is certainly a playmaking quarterback. He can make things out of structure. He, he kind of just gives you all the upside that Tua never will. Uh, granted, he is not the processor that Tua is. I gave Hertz a C plus in processing. Uh, that's bad. He, he totally yeah, lacks he- anticipation. Go ahead. He definitely misses guys a lot. Doesn't yeah. See that. Well, I mean, they have a really efficient offense. What's that kid's name? The dude out of nowhere for Philly. Quez Watkins? No, the offensive, the head coach slash offensive coordinator. Oh, oh. Uh, I don't remember his name. He's going to kill me. Nick Sirianni. Sirianni. I wanted to call him uh, Di Filippo. It was a different Italian. Yeah, I know it's Nick, and I was like, oh, it's Nick Italian. So, yeah, Nick Sirianni. Di Filippo will always be the offensive play caller for the Eagles until I die in my head. I don't, I don't know why that season imprinted so hard, but it did. Um, He's just yeah. gone to be a quarterback coach ever. Yeah, not particularly successful at it. But anyway, Hertz, Hertz doesn't process. He does not anticipate at all. <laughs> He's really bad at that. Um, if you're a close friend of mine, then you've probably heard the story about exactly what some of Jalen Hurts' teammates think about his ability as a quarterback. It's not, the mental aspect is not the best part of it. Let's leave it there. Um, and that, that leads us to our accuracy zones. Jalen Hurts, deep ball, it is bad. He, he don't know where it's going and neither do we. It's, it's C plus accuracy deep. His middle of the field stuff's B minus just because again, he really lacks the ability to put zip on the ball. Tua lacks the arm strength to drive the ball. Drive is like arm strength plus zip. But Tua has good zip. Quick release, ball comes out of his hand. It's going about as fast as it's going to go. Hertz wobbles that ball. He floats that ball. So when he's going to the second level, he lacks the arm strength and the zip to create proper drive to get the ball where it needs to go. And it's it hinders your ability to call plays in the middle of the field, in between the linebacker and the safeties. On the outside, on the inside, you just it's not a lot you can do with that. And uh, where, whereas we talk, we joke that like, oh, Tua doesn't miss the short stuff. Who does? Jalen Hurts does. He he misses the short stuff. Yeah, I mean he's just kind of totally unreliable as a passer because he doesn't have like the the raw tools that obviously Josh Allen is the extreme example of like oh man he can put the ball anywhere we just got to teach him how to do it consistently like Hurts doesn't even have that and he still can't throw consistently but he is a good runner and he got put in a perfect situation of Sirianni built that offense to be very run heavy and leaned into that really good offensive line and it played to his strengths, but that's like kind of the, the best he can get unless he suddenly turns into a good thrower of the football and it's, you know, a low playoff. I legitimately think that Jalen hurts is the worst quarterback on that roster. Probably. I mean, I don't think Minshew is anything, special but he's that kind of classic game manager type i i have Minshew as being a 1.8 which is the smallest of rounding errors better 
but it's slightly better. And then I think Carson Strong is the best of the three. It's just a question of, does he have a knee on his right leg? Uh, early results are showing no. <laughs> no knee does make it tough. <laughs> Peg leg quarterback out there like a pirate. Trade his ass to the Buccaneers or maybe the Raiders. <laughs> be great for branding. Oh my God, right? Stiff arm somebody with your wooden leg because you got no knee. Rough in the past, the defense. I feel like there would be all kinds of new rules, and it would have to create it. The defensive end is karate chopped the quarterback's leg and broken it in half. He balanced it on two cinder blocks, fifteen yards, first down. We have to the uh, the the post Tom Brady Buccaneers. They're going to need <laughs> to find a way to create the same excitement, and no, they won't be able to do it with actual football. So they're going to do it with a bunch of aesthetics. What kind of hoster? You're supposed to be the one who brings us back. You're failing your promotion. I'm sorry, man. We've been, it's been a, a, quite a while since we've done this. I'm out of practice. So if that wraps up Jalen Hurts, who Thank do we Christ have next at number 30? Number 30 is the new starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lance. Because I'm calling it, Jimmy G is not winning that job back. Yeah, it seems like they're doing everything possible to give Trey Lance the job. But honestly, I think this might be too high for him at this point. Give but, is certainly the right word. And yeah, I mean, I could have also very easily be convinced that Trey Lance is actually the worst quarterback because all three of these guys are tied at a 1.6 GPA rating, which is terrible. If any of you out there ever got a 1.6 GPA for any extended period of time in any level of you know, schooling, you either showed up to your midterms drunk your freshman year. How's it going? Or you're really bad at reading and math. There's just no room for error to get a 1.6 GPA. It's bad. Just like all of these quarterbacks. Just exactly. That is exactly why we're using the GPA system. And it's really, it's, it's honestly sad that Trey Lance is this bad because he is a physical specimen. He, he is. Yes. Uh, okay. We're, we're only talking about football, right? We're only talking about football. Only football. Only football. Football only. Strong Colin Kaepernick vibes as a physical specimen. He's tall. I know. I shouldn't have said it, but it's it's so apt. They even have the same throwing motion. It pisses me off. Plays for the 49ers. The only difference as is a I, white game manager to re- replace. <laughs> this is this is so true. This is and oh my god, the most boring game managing quarterbacks ahead of them. You might be onto something here. But Trey Lance just he's got a he's got a rocket arm. He's got like a top tier A caliber arm. It's not quite the Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes level, but there's a reason it's called the Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes level. That's it. It is an A arm. It is right there next to those dudes. But everything else is just a fucking abomination as far as his throwing goes. Yeah. Like how I had been saying that Jalen Hurts, like he doesn't have that. Oh, like he could be really good if we can just harness some things. Trey Lance kind of does. Oh, Trey Lance absolutely does. It's just, he, he, like I said, he doesn't know where the ball is going when he throws. It is the most scattershot arm I've ever seen in my life. When, when Trey Lance throws a ball, like it, it slices. His ball slices like a golf, like a bad golf shot. When you really get a hold of it and it just goes wow, right away from you, that's almost every throw Trey Lance does. And, um, and it's also not consistent. It, it, it's terrible in every way. He's got a D on accuracy. He's got a C on precision. It's inaccurate in an inconsistent, unpredictable way. You don't know if he's going to miss low, high, right, left. He's just going to miss. 
it's it's an abomination and it's really frustrating when you think i think a lot of people especially fans struggle with this kind of quarterback this high upside physical talent quarterback because you watch his highlights and the very few that there are they're so impressive because it's like oh my god he threw that ball 55 yards on a rope while rolling out he could do anything all he has to do is hit the little stuff the easy stuff that everybody else hit and he'll be golden and in your head you oversimplify how easy it is to consistently hit a five-yard slant to consistently hit a screen. Trey Lance will never hit the passes that are so pedestrian you assume that they have to be hit. He will never hit them consistently. And that is why he will never be a very good NFL quarterback. Because while he is the, he is the specimen that Colin Kaepernick was, he's half as refined a thrower, and Colin Kaepernick was not a refined thrower. Yeah, very, very strong, uh, very strong statements. I, I kind of tend to agree. Uh, that he's just such a like shotgun blast when he's throwing. And that was what we saw anytime he touched the field. And I'm generally of the belief that you can teach quarterbacks a lot of things, like how to fix it. But unless you're like completely reworking a throwing motion, which already is a scary task, you're not going to change someone's accuracy that much. They're kind of either an accurate thrower of the football that can anticipate and lead guys well, or they just don't have it in them. I think the only guy that like I can think of in recent memory that has completely re- retooled it is Josh Allen. Um, but he's going to kind of lead to a lot of people making this similar type of mistake of like, hey, we get the guy with the cannon that it's an athletic freak. We can work on it and we can make him good. And Trey Lance is the example of why you don't do this. Yeah. For every, keep in mind, this list is only starting quarterbacks. So these aren't spoilers. For every one Josh Allen, that goes from wildly inaccurate to fairly accurate. You're going to have a Jordan Love, a Trey Lance, a, well, I'm trying not to list starters. You're going to have a lot of guys who throw real hard and not real accurate. That's all. Uh, Malik Willis is about to be one, an EJ Manuel, like Kyle Bowler, Ryan Mallett, tons of strong arm quarterbacks who can't hit the broadside of a barn and never figure it out. Don't let one Josh Allen totally disprove 50 years of knowing how quarterbacks. Exactly. Uh, so I think Trey Lance is in that in that realm unless he proves otherwise. And even though he's got a cannon and can occasionally make really great throws, he's a detriment until he can consistently throw accurate balls. Well, another thing about Trey Lance is that we have so little on him. Like the guy played one year of Division II football, he played FCS, which is technically Division I AA. In any other sport, we'd call that Division II. Football's different. He played low competition football. And I'm not joking. This is a very serious fact. When I was scouting Jeremy Chin two years ago, when he was at Southern Illinois, so ill, so ill state. Um, shout out that? Illinois. Hashtag corn. Um, I can say that because I'm from there, but not the corn part. Uh, I'm not joking at all. I was watching Jeremy Chin play against North Dakota State. And I said, wow, this number five guy, this white fullback for North Dakota State, he is really fast for a fullback. And he is trucking dudes. Number five is obviously Trey Lance. They ran the ball so often with him, I didn't know he was a quarterback. And that was the only year he ever played quarterback against competition that was not high school because he didn't play last year, really. He skipped his redshirt sophomore year. He played Juco his freshman year. And like the stats were not impressive at Juco. I'm not going to pretend I watched Juco tape. I could not give a fuck. And then his one year of playing FCS football on the best team in the history of FCS football ever, his only claim to fame is that he didn't throw an interception. He tried. He threw like seven that just got dropped. He did not complete a lot of passes. 
He did not throw for a lot of yards. He did not throw for a lot of touchdowns. He did not accomplish anything. He simply did not throw interceptions that got caught. And that's why he was drafted high. In addition to freak athletic talent and some chicanery going on in the 49ers front office. I'm not going to comment on it. Not, not certain about it. All I know is apparently there was some debating about who pick three was supposed to be for. It seemed like just bad evaluation. We can say bad evaluation because because <laughs> the other the option was that terrible. Was, <laughs> yeah, that it was going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance, and like both options, bad choice, poor evaluation. Forty yeah. Niners. Yeah, there, there was no quarterback worth drafting in that first round in any matter except for the first overall pick. And I know what that says about Davis Mills. We'll talk about Davis Mills in a few days or in a few pods, rather. But uh, a little foreshadowing. Yeah, a little foreshadowing. If you don't know that I'm in on Davis Mills by this point, like you haven't been paying attention. Mm -hmm. So now it's not going to be in like four pods, but it'll be in like two. Um, Anyhow, Trey Lance displayed at North Dakota, very little pocket intelligence. They very rarely allowed him to navigate from the pocket because they treated him like a very fast fullback. That's what I thought he was for a reason. Um, And then his processing never developed either because they ran so much play action RPO. And I'm not going to assume that sitting on the bench for a year behind Jimmy Garoppolo turned this completely unpolished piece of coal, shall we say, into anything other than more older coal. I, I don't believe that he transformed. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, until I see it, I will not believe it. As soon as I see it, I'll believe it. But like, I have like nine games worth of film on this man at a low degree of competition and the processing looked bad. I'm not going to assume that it got better for any reason other than I saw it be better. Makes so sense. I, I will grant him that he's a playmaker. He could throw from any arm angle. He could throw the ball anywhere on the field, damn near, uh, on any given throw, regardless of where he's aiming, it could land anywhere on the field. It's that inaccurate. Um, I gave him, a, I, for his uh, accuracy zones, I just used the same ones I gave him coming out of college. So I gave him an A- minus on his deep ball. I think that's probably way too high, uh, just off of what I saw with the 49ers last year. Yeah, probably. Uh, like last year with the 49ers, his deep ball looked actively terrible. The yes. problem is that coming out of college, I gave him a C on the middle and a C plus on the short because he doesn't hit those either. Frankly, I don't understand why this guy is not playing tight end a la Logan Thomas. I think that that's his, I think that's his end game. <laughs> it's where he will eventually end up. The reason that I have him above Hertz and Tua is because I think he's the best runner of all of them. And I don't think any of them should be passing football. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, I think I'd probably have Lance at the lowest just because we haven't seen any success or like any ability yet, whereas like Jalen Hurts, it, it had to be a specific system, but they did find success with him. And Tua, well, he hasn't necessarily had success at any point. He's stuck around for a year and a half. Tua and, hasn't uh, hasn't been run out of town with pitchforks and torches yet. <laughs> exactly. But like, you know, whereas Trey Lance, I don't know if I've seen him look playable. I haven't, but if you want to put Hurts above Lance, totally get it. Totally get it. But I, I think that the sheer running ability makes Lance more dangerous than Tua because anytime either of them is passing the football, the defense is winning. I got you. That makes sense. All right. You ready to move on to number 29? Uh, sort of, but I want to make an addendum, addendum because man. so for some reason, people in NFL circles are convinced that like Jimmy Garoppolo might get traded and start somewhere. And so I just want to note that were Jimmy Garoppolo included in this list, he would probably be 29. Okay. Um, so like 29 or, well, 
He would be 29 if we include Trey Lance. He'd be 30 if we didn't. He is exactly in the same spot Trey Lance is. He would be the worst 1.7 graded quarterback in the NFL or the best 1.6 graded quarterback in the NFL. He's terrible. He's got similar arm power to Jalen Hurts. Uh, the thing that puts him above these guys by a little bit is that he actually does have a really quick release and he drives the ball fairly well, especially considering his arm strength. Um, he's accurate to the intermediate level to an extent that they are not, but his precision is also lacking. His processing is terrible. He cannot think. His pocket intelligence is terrible. He eats sacks and fumbles like crazy. And he throws an inordinate amount of interceptions for a guy who is never going for the jugular. His deep accuracy is terrible. Look no further than the most recent Super Bowl the 49ers were in. Uh, if that man is even an adequate deep ball thrower, the 49ers run away with that game and I lose $5,000. But he isn't, so they didn't, so I didn't. Thank God Jimmy G sucks. Yeah, no, for real. I was really sweating bullets there for a minute. And anytime that we can stick it to San Francisco, I'm happy because I hate that city for personal reasons. Um, Jimmy G can hit the short throws, better than Trey Lance or Jalen Hurts and maybe even as good as Tua. But again, it doesn't really matter because he'll still throw interceptions on those short throws. So if you are the Panthers, if you are the Seahawks, if you're the 49ers and you hear some old head in the media talking about, you should give Jimmy G a chance to start because look at his winning record as a quarterback. If you ever at any point find yourself considering that, calmly take three steps back from whatever device you're using to communicate with the outside world, such as a cell phone or a laptop, close your fingers into your palm like a fist and punch yourself directly under the chin as hard as you can until you pass out because you're about to make a huge mistake. Guy cannot play. He's, he's turnover prone. He is low upside. He is expensive and he's 30. No, get him out. No. Yeah. He, he's just in that group of he doesn't really do anything special. And you're right. The He does throw a lot more picks than you would expect. The more I've watched them, especially, you know, last year they had, had some big games. They had some big games and uh, people tuned in. They made it deep into the playoffs. You got to see Jimmy G like, and then just have crushing turnovers like late in games. Uh, the Those picks kill him. And then he doesn't have anything redeeming. He's just like the very ceiling with a slightly stronger arm version of Tua. And like, you can't count on him. He's going to be relatively smart, but it's not like he's such a such an intelligent guy that he's dissecting defenses and getting balls at nowhere or getting balls to place that nobody else can get to him besides his guy. Like it's not that level to overcome the physical deficiencies. Yeah, and like I feel bad. I know Jimmy G's godfather on a personal level. Shout out Scott, really cool dude. Apparently Jimmy is like the best guy. Apparently he's dumber than a sack of rocks, but like he sucks. I'm sorry. Being good looking and a cool hang does not make you a quarterback. Sorry. That's that's all I got to say about Jimmy Galapagos. What are you all good? I think we said more than enough. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the actual number 29 instead of the theoretical number 29. Yeah. It's going to be a fun one, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm, the silence is not because I don't know what to say. It's because I'm afraid of what's about to happen. Uh, coming in at quarterback 29, and I swear to fuck I mean this, we got Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry. I just finished watching every one of his plays again. And Alex has literally been blown away from the computer screen by the quake that was that take. No, I mean, the guy sucks. I'm sorry. I just finished watching every one of his snaps last week. I put together a really nice breakdown. Check the Patreon. Remember, it's free. It's just a website. Um, we'll start off with Lamar Jackson's arm because it's so tricky. Like, it's actually difficult. It, it takes a very nuanced grade to appropriately encapsulate it. 
Yeah, and you, you're going to have to go in depth on this one because I'm not a big Lamar fan either. I think he's wildly overrated, but this is this is pretty low. This is this is even lower than I thought. So break it down. Okay. Lamar Jackson's arm strength is, is tricky because Lamar Jackson can very easily throw the ball 65 yards downfield. Like it doesn't look – he doesn't have to like put a wind up into it. It's not a full body, no crow hop, just like casually throws the ball 65 yards, same way he does 20. But he doesn't do that in games, and he never does that when he's aiming the ball. I think that Lamar Jackson struggles significantly uh, with the mental aspect of being accurate. I think Lamar knows that he's not accurate with the ball, and I think that when he is trying to be more accurate, when he's trying to be more precise, he does that by taking some of the heat off his fastball, and it makes it effectively a weak arm because obviously you always have to be aiming when you're throwing a pass in the NFL. It's kind of like... If you've ever played beer pong and you're just, you're not hitting shots and you try to get real fucking precise with one, you really take your time and you aim it up. You make sure your arm is moving just so, and you throw it and you end up like three inches short of the cup. Like the shit happens. It's like if you play basketball and you you overthink a free throw and you miss the front rim, that shit happens. You're putting and you leave it short because you were trying to be too fine. Lamar Jackson does that with throwing a football. He's not the only guy but it's the most significant because it takes his arm down from a solid A to like a B plus. He floats balls. He throws wobblers. He does not get a tight spiral. He doesn't drive the ball the way he should. And I think it's because he's trying to aim too much because he's insecure about his own lack of accuracy. Interesting. I mean, I, I definitely, I agree on the overall thing that he does have a strong arm, but it doesn't actually appear to be that strong when you watch him. Like he can get balls deep down the sideline, but they float. It's a little bit of like the Mitch Trubisky thing where like, yeah, physically the ball does get there, but it just looks like it's going slow. And the accuracy issues that can make sense because like, you know, the, the classic just throw it, don't aim it. And it's, he's overthinking. I can definitely see it. I think it's a pretty accurate breakdown of his arm, though, that he has the ability. It's just there's no consistency. Yeah. And that's part of what scares me with grading all of Lamar Jackson is that it's very similar to the, the Trey Lance calculus where it feels like he should be dominant because if Lamar Jackson could just hit the checkdowns, there's no stopping it. But Lamar Jackson cannot hit the checkdowns. And after three years, we've found out that it's not a fluke and it's not getting better. Lamar Jackson cannot fucking hit the checkdowns. It just won't he, happen. He, he had a stretch at the beginning of last season where he was able to. So remember we talked about it of, all right, Lamar's looking good. He's playing hero ball, but like he was completing his checkdowns as well. But that lasted a few weeks and then he went completely back. And who knows if that was the cumulative effect of all, you know, their team being beat up and him trying to get into it too much. Um, I got to save the team. And then he really get uh, get into his own head. But we have a lot more evidence saying they can't do it. So unless he shows me, it's the same thing as Trey Lance. Unless he shows me that he suddenly can consistently hit his short stuff, I'm not going to believe it. So I'm glad that you brought up that early in the season, Lamar had a, a little spot of accuracy. Uh, it was not week one against the Raiders. He was trash in that game. But week two, three, five, and six – he was uncharacteristically accurate. Week four against Denver, he dipped back down to only 60% accuracy, which is not completion percentage. It's accuracy. It's always higher than completion percentage. I haven't seen, but if his accuracy percentage was 60%, I'm guessing his completion percentage was like 55 at best. But week two against Kansas City, 69%. Got a B-plus grade on the game. 
real some of his best football. Week three versus Detroit. Granted, it's Detroit. 82% accuracy, 43% positive plays. A game, legitimate, clean. Uh, like I said, week four was rough. Week five against Indy, best game of his career in my book. A plus game, 86% accuracy. He hit 26 pedestrian throws. And that was, I actually be on the lookout because I made a video of me recording this or uh, charting this game. It's, if Lamar Jackson could be that guy every game, he would be the top five quarterback that a lot of people think he is. Getting the ball out wide into the hands of his receivers in stride, cutting the ball up the field for simplified runs. Mm-hmm. That is where he's at his best. But literally, as soon as that game ended, so did his accuracy. After that, it was right back down into the 50s for accuracy percentage, which, again, is terrible. And he ended the season with a 65.5% accuracy percentage, which is amongst the lowest in the NFL. Again, like it's down there with like Justin Fields. That's not where you want to be. And this is where it'll be interesting to see because the first six weeks when they were or when he was healthier, the offense – was still home before they started to like really fall apart from all of those o- overtime games and the injuries really caught up to him. So who knows? Maybe, you know, healthier team. He's not trying to be the superstar. That's why I wouldn't have him this low is because he has shown us spots of this accuracy and it was last year. And there are reasons why it didn't continue or excuses explanations however you want to look at it granted we've seen more inaccurate than accurate but i still think that he's got the ability and he last year was probably his best year in terms of his accuracy uh in the shortened like kind of the gimme stuff that he hasn't been able to make so i I will grant you that last year was his most accurate year and i've been charted i've charted lamar every year of his career because he's one of the few people that's only been in the league for three years, which is exactly how long I've been charting. But the the tricky thing is that even when it's his best, I wasn't going to make it. Alex has just alerted me that Lamar has been in the league four years. Um, yeah. Ha ha. Got that wrong. I did, but I have been charting for four years. So I got half of it, right? I'm just old. Um, anyhow, this was definitely Lamar's best year passing. But it wasn't. It wasn't good. But and that that stretch was good. It happened to come against four of the most vanilla defenses in the entire NFL. Uh, none of them very good in their own rights. Uh, Indianapolis runs the simplest de- defense, or ran the simplest defense in the entire NFL by a wide margin. Almost every single play was cover two man under or cover two zone base four three. It's it's like playing a practice defense in Madden. There's nothing to it. So I think that there's a common thread with that Indianapolis defense that's notoriously mediocre and vanilla, the Detroit defense, which was notoriously talent bereft and extremely linebacker heavy. You're three weeks into learning a brand new defense with Aaron Glenn. It was very vanilla. And then Kansas City, who just kind of stinks at defense. Yeah, their defense was, especially at the beginning of the season. Oh, God, yeah. They they got hot for a minute later, but even when they were quote-unquote hot, Kansas City defense was never anything to write home about. Yeah, because this was when they were still ha- when they still had Chris Jones at end, and before they got Melvin Ingram in, right? Exactly. Yeah, so that was when their defense was atrocious. But so I, I I don't think it's a coincidence that that's when Lamar played his best ball. That's fair. And I now have three or four years, three and a half years. Yeah, honestly, it's really only three years because he played half a year his rookie year, and then he uh, he only played about half a year this year. So call it three years. So it wasn't wrong. But four seasons, 
We, it's been in the league for four seasons. We've got four seasons, three years of football games that say Lamar Jackson's a bad passer, like really bad. And as great a runner as he is, he's amongst the best in the NFL. Like you could argue to me that Kyler Murray or Josh Allen are the same tier. I would, I would hear that argument. I would not argue that they are better. I would not allow that argument. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the most dangerous running quarterback. Yeah. He, he's the guy. And even if he's not like the only guy on top of the mountain, he's on top of the mountain. You could, you could tell me who else is there, but he's up there. Um, yeah. Cause you can't touch him. That's yeah. so scary. It's like the you can't hit what you can't catch type thing. Like Kyler is also incredibly slippery, but he's not as much like north south. And Josh Allen, like he's gonna run through you a little bit. Lamar, it's you have three guys around him and he still spins out. That's why he's terrifying. So Lamar's a great runner, but that's mitigated a little bit by a few things. One, running doesn't fucking matter. Like whether it comes from a quarterback or a running back, if you tell me that a team ran the ball, I'm telling you my defense probably won. Because it's probably the average pass is going to go for about eight yards if it's an any good quarterback. If Lamar runs the ball in a good year, he's getting six yards. And that's that's a good year. Additionally, Lamar fumbles a lot. I, uh, I fumbles are one thing I chart. Lamar fumbled seven times in what was it? Nine games, eleven games, seven fumbles in eleven games. So he fumbled on one point four percent of the dropbacks he had all season. So one point four percent of the time. If Lamar Jackson takes a snap, it ends with him dropping the ball. And that's only fumbles that are on him, not fumbles that are on the running back, not throws that are marked as a fumble and get overturned. No, 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 no. I'm very careful. It's only fumbles that are actually fumbles, live fumbles that are his fault. How does that compare to some similar quarterback? Who would you say is a similar quarterback? I mean, just give me give me a spread. Give me a Stafford, then give me Kyler. Okay, so Kyler Murray fumbles a ton as well. Kyler Murray played 15 games, which is four more games than Lamar. Kyler Murray fumbled nine times. So two extra fumbles in four extra games. And that's, again, Kyler Murray fumbles a lot. Uh, Justin Fields fumbles more than anybody else I've ever seen in the NFL. He fumbled eight times in 11 games. That's one fumble more than Lamar. That, like who fumbled, who doesn't fumble? Like does Stafford hold on to it or Brady or Rodgers? Or yeah. who... Stafford and Brady each had three fumbles on the season. Rodgers had four. Joe Burrow had five in twice in two hundred extra snaps. Like, okay, so yeah, like, he's he's fumbling a lot. You you want to go back to top. if you want to go back to twenty twenty, Deshaun Watson, who runs plenty himself, fumbled four times. Like Lamar Jackson fumbles a lot, a lot. Um, granted, I don't know how many fumbles Daniel Jones has. I haven't done him yet. I don't know if I will. I my sense is that he fumbles every snap, but I'd have to be more precise before I talk shit. Yeah, he, he and Goff seem like fumble kings. Goff's just because he's got his baby hands. Well, that, that's another guy where, like, I, Goff shouldn't be starting, and I can't convince myself that the Lions are actually going to start him, so it's tough for me to, like, dig into his film and really grade him, but I guess I'm going to have to. Um. Anyway, back to Lamar. His pocket IQ is a C. Lamar takes a lot of sacks that he really, really shouldn't. Um, 6.5% of Lamar's dropbacks ended in a sack that was on him. Like his fault. We love to make fun of Joe Burrow and how he just has no idea what's going on in the pocket. Eats sacks all the time that are totally his fault. Joe Burrow took a sack on 5.9% of snaps. And by took a sack, I mean it was his fault. So Lamar Jackson eats sacks at a higher rate than Joe Burrow, than Matt Stafford, you name it. Like Kyler, even Justin Fields. The only person who's ever eaten sacks at a higher rate than Lamar Jackson that I've graded is 2020 Deshaun Watson. Okay. That, yeah, when you when you said it was that much higher than Joe Burrow, I was like, okay, damn, because Joe Burrow 
was Sack King last year. Yeah, and like you would think, it's, it's especially surprising because Lamar Jackson is so electric. He's so fast. He's so quick in space. He doesn't, he's a much better runner, but he doesn't have that incredible agility of like a Russell Wilson. He doesn't have the incredible agility of a Kyler Murray. He's more straight line speed, more slippery. It's a different kind of thing. Um, and I think that that, I don't want to say hinders him in the pocket because it certainly doesn't. It certainly helps. But it's why his incredible running ability doesn't translate to pocket elusivity at as high of a rate as Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or, you know, other quicker quarterbacks, even Deshaun Watson. I got you. Um, so I gave his pocket IQ a C. Uh, it, it was bad. And again, he fumbles. That factors into pocket IQ. Then we get to processing. And that's just a fucking abomination. The guy, Lamar cannot throw unless he has a significant, I'm talking like three-yard window. Now, I think Lamar actually lacks confidence in most areas of his game. We've already mentioned it with his arm strength and trying to aim the ball too carefully. He doesn't like trying to fit the ball into tight windows too often. Um, He will if he has to. If it's third and 10 and his guy is like covered, he'll throw the ball in the tight window. But if he has any say in the matter, he is really hesitant to throw the ball to anybody that's not like wide open and especially wide open over the middle of the field near him. Um, He lacks anticipation. You see him stop a lot of receivers or throw behind a lot of receivers. And generally, he needs a lot of space in the pocket. He's not the kind of guy that's going to stand in there, take a hit, and make a play. I mean, Lamar's kind of a small dude. Like People don't think of it because we think of him as a great athlete, but he's about 6'1". I think he's like on the verge of 6'2", and he's skinny, and he's been banged up before. And he's worried about his longevity in the NFL because nobody shuts up about his longevity being a running quarterback. He's not a stand in there, throw it in, in heat guy. It's not his thing. So really, he's lacking in every area as a pocket passer. He, I'll even say as much as he, he's definitely a playmaker. You know, he's no, he's no Carson Strong, like we joked about earlier, a statue with a peg leg. He moves, duh. He's, he can extend a play, but he's not really the play extending kind of quarterback as far as a passer goes. Like he's not going to scramble to reset his feet, look downfield and sling it like Russell Wilson would. If he's going to scramble, he's probably going to run. And he doesn't actually scramble that often if he's not running. So he's a playmaker, but he's not a Mahomes. He's not a Russ Wilson. He's not that kind of playmaker. He's a little one dimension. Yeah, but he also doesn't tuck it and run as all like this is part of eating the sacks. Sometimes he's getting pressure and you're like, okay, put that ball down in your armpit and go. You're fast. You can at least get three yards out of this. And he won't. He'll stand in. He'll wait. He'll wait for something to come open. He won't move and make something open or find something open. He'll wait and get hit. So he's really mind numbing. And I saw a stat from PFF. He hit 22% of his deep balls last year. That's a little worse than I thought it was. Uh, I gave him a B minus on his deep ball. I said it was adequate. Like this is if a franchise quarterback had this deep ball and was great everywhere else, he could hang. Obviously, Lamar's not great everywhere else, so this is kind of bad. Um, he suffered through some drops, but his most notable throw of the year was like a 65 yarder to Hollywood Brown uh, on a deep post. Hollywood, it was five yards overthrown. Hollywood Brown like literally went horizontal, caught the ball, and he bounced so hard off the turf that he skipped like a rock. I'm not joking at all when I say that. <laughs> Dude was running full speed, went fully horizontal, two feet in the air, laid out, made this catch, fully outstretched like Superman, belly flopped on the grass so hard he skipped, and he held on to the ball. And that's Lamar Jackson's highlight. He gets 65 air yards of touchdown for that. Um, 
So it's not the deep ball is not good. The intermediate ball is terrible. He just cannot throw to the second level. He totally lacks the anticipation, the accuracy, the drive on the ball. And like I said, if he could hit those short throws, he'd be great, but he can't, so he's not, and it's a C. I think that's a very, that's a very succinct, succinct breakdown. Like, like, I know that you're also low on Lamar. Where would you put him, and where do you think I'm underselling him? Um, I mean, I don't think he's in the top half, but he's probably close to average just because his running is so dynamic. I think uh, I don't necessarily disagree with any of your like individual grades. I think it might just be hard to quantify how valuable his running is to that team, because that's the other thing is they've the same way that Hertz is more valuable than I guess his ability. But Lamar is so perfect there that they've developed a thing that he is effective as a quarterback, despite not being able to really throw the ball at all. So I hear that, but my counter to it is, how insanely electric would that offense be if they put Kyler Murray there? So, you know, maybe you get 90% of the running, but you get 180% of the throw. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kyler, though, is also mentally different as a runner. Like, Kyler doesn't seem like he's as much the guy of, I'm going to go run through and pick up these yards. He's more of like, all right, this play has broken down, or I don't see a throw I like, so I'm going to take off. So it's a different mental uh, aside because the Ravens like attack with, you know, whereas Kyler, it's an out. So like Lamar, he goes north, south. Kyler goes east, west, and they're running more so. Also, I think that because we have seen some consistency, I know it's against easier defenses, but we've seen some growth from him in the last year. Now he kind of went backwards on it as the year went on. And I think that's a mental thing. And that seems to be the issue. I'm also I'm I'm totally open to the insinuation that he might have been hurt at some point last year. He could have been. I'm not a doctor. I just watch film. Yeah, I mean, I think he likely was hurt just because there's no way he takes that many hits and plays that many minutes. Because I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they were playing overtime games like two out of every three weeks to start the year. Yeah. Uh, so they were just playing so much football, and he was getting so much usage that I would be shocked if he wasn't beat up in some way. So that's where I think there's still some ability for him to do the you know accurate short passes. And because he is such a good runner, you kind of hope and count on it. Then the other counterpoint I have is I don't think Tyler Huntley is anything, but when he came in, that offense didn't skip a beat. And Tyler Huntley is not a great passer. He's not a good passer. He's adequate. Maybe. And Tyler Huntley is not a great runner. He's a good runner. You can find a bunch of guys like Tyler Huntley as running quarterbacks. They're out there a lot. And I, I just, I think that that goes to show just how replaceable Lamar Jackson is. And it's also kind of tough because he's replaceable if you have a running off quarterback as an option, right? But like, if you look at the other quarter, like no spoilers, but if you look at the other quarterbacks who are in the bottom half of the NFL, there's not a lot of dudes on that list that run very well. Like it's really Daniel Jones and Justin Fields amongst the bottom half starting quarterbacks who can actually move that are better than Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. arguably arguably and I think like I think Justin Fields would be a better fit because Justin Fields doesn't come up today but like Justin Fields is a better thrower of the football a fairly similar runner his problems are elsewhere I think you could plug him into the Baltimore offense and it would improve I think Daniel Jones is I mean somehow he ran 22 miles an hour I think that the GPS is broken but that's as fast as Lamar Jackson's ever run yeah so he's a decent runner and he's a much better thrower 
I would like to see how that plays out. Yeah, the the fumbling issue might be a thing there as well. But I mean, it's I don't like disagree Lamar, with Lamar. you. I I still think Lamar is the best running option by far, and so like just that value, it has a lot of value in of itself. I do agree that it's somewhat replaceable, and I think the Ravens are going to kind of play with that, and we're gonna see. I'm, I'm, I I'm curious to see what happens because they're gonna have to either pay him because he's gonna want a ton of money, and he's gonna well, go. Uh, according uh, to Mike Florio. According to Mike Florio, Lamar refuses to get an agent in part because he believes he has earned a contract that involves no negotiation and the best terms of any quarterback that has signed a contract. So he wants the highest pay, fully guaranteed, no negotiation. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's true with Florio, you know, there's a little, there's, there's some salt to be taken. But yeah, I mean, he, he's going to point to the MVP and he's going to point to how many wins they have when he plays versus when he doesn't. And he's going to, you know, talk about the focal point of the offense, everything he's done for him, because he has been, you know, everything for them and say, give me $45 million a year. And I think that would be a mistake. And mm-hmm. I think Baltimore might. I mean, because he's going to play this year on the fifth-year option, then we'll see what happens. But if they don't have an incredible year, they might say, okay, Lamar, go see who else will pay you $45 million. We're going to go either draft somebody or bring somebody else in. Yeah, we're going to be worse this year, but we're going to have $35 extra million. And a third-round compensatory pick. Yeah. At least one. They love getting those. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I, it feels crazy to say they would let him walk after they've built their offense around him. And he has, you know, taken them to the playoffs the last few years or, you know, before last year. He took them to the playoffs a couple of years, but they didn't, you know, like you said, their offense didn't really miss me. I mean, they were losing games, but they were playing better teams. They were covering spreads. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I would like to see what Tyler Huntley does with a little bit more, a uh, little bit more time. You know, just give him more reps. I would be very intrigued. All right. I feel like we've uh, we've spent plenty of time on Lamar. I'm ready think it to was go necessary. to I yeah, I mean with with having him that low, you, you gotta go into the full depth. But moving on, this one may be a little bit less of a surprise. Who do you have at number twenty-eight? At number twenty-eight, I have Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. I also have him as a one point seven. So if you want to flip him and Lamar again, I don't mind. Go ahead. Um, I literally cannot differentiate between the two. I would personally rather have Wilson because I think there's upside. Um, This is a little bit, okay, I want to be clear. You go back and check my Twitter. You go back and listen to the pod. I said Zach Wilson would suck. I did. I very explicitly said, go look at Zach Wilson's first six games. The Jets are probably going 0-6 because he's going to have a really difficult time adjusting to the NFL coming from BYU, playing an independent schedule during COVID, which was almost exclusively Division II team, Central Arkansas. The best team they played was Coastal Carolina. They did not have a real college schedule. And I said, he's going to struggle. You know, skinny little Mormon boy from Utah going to New York City, trying to learn a big new offense, playing way better competition. And sure enough, he did. But I still feel wrong because even though I said Zach Wilson was not worth a top five pick, even though I said I probably wouldn't take him the first half of the first round, I thought Zach Wilson would be an average to slightly above average NFL quarterback. I thought he, I gave him a 2.4 draft grade. So I thought he would be a top 17 quarterback and he was not and not only wasn't he I didn't see a lot of reason to believe he could be yeah it didn't look like there was a lot of growth from him I mean there's a little bit because he was so very bad at the beginning of the season but 
not to the point that I have faith in him being great moving forward. He still just seems incredibly inconsistent and like I don't trust watching I don't trust him reading field yeah so I'll just run through his traits um I gave Zach Wilson a B for his arm arm power I know that there was a lot of narratives in his pre-draft lead-up about how he's got a cannon he's like Mahomes super strong arm and I never saw that at all I had no idea where that was coming from he he had that one really cool throw during his pro day where he runs left and then he stops and he turns around and throws it right Wow. Yeah, it turns out every quarterback in every draft can make that throw. Uh, it's actually not difficult, uh, especially with no pads on, with the college ball. Apparently, it's not and a no big deal for an NFL quarterback. What's that? I said no one chasing after you. Exactly. Like, it, it turns out that throw is not super impressive. Sorry, Chris Sims, who notoriously had Zach Wilson as his QB1 last year over Trevor Lawrence. Thought he was a generational talent. Whoopsie daisies. Um. So I gave him a B on his arm strength. His arm topped out at 50 yards downfield in college and in the NFL. Both, I mean, like the, the furthest he threw downfield was 50 yards and it floated on him. It was dwindling. That thing died like it got shot out of the air. Um, accuracy, I gave him a B. It's solid. It's not great. It's solid. Uh, but precision, I thought was going to be a B plus. I thought he would be fairly consistent with his ball placement. That didn't show up in the NFL. The dude missed, I mean, like... I struggle to think of an example of of Zach Wilson putting together a full game worth of solid football play. So while he has physical talent, like he's got a solid arm, he's got solid accuracy, I never saw it all come together. So I don't think the B-plus precision is there, at least not yet. And I kind of don't – I'm not hopeful that it'll return. Like the vibes are bad. Yeah, right. But, and I mean, like I was saying, I, I just don't see accuracy – suddenly having a big shift for anyone unless you know they have some big mechanical change or whatever and i haven't heard anything about that with him i wouldn't i don't think it would be smart for him to do that so i think once you see him be inaccurate it might just be who he is yeah and like zach wilson moves around fairly well for a pocket quarterback um the way that i do this typically a b as far as pocket mobility goes is like the cutoff it's like these are the guys who can run around a little bit like a little bit but they're a pocket passer. Like an Aaron Rodgers, this old middle-aged version of Russell Wilson, like they can move, they can outrun a defensive tackle. They're not running a read option, not happening. Um, and that's where I think he stacks up physically running. His pocket IQ and his processing are bad, and he never had to do it at BYU. He never yeah, this had the thing. They had the best offensive line in the nation at BYU his senior year. I think he got pressured twice. Like I'm joking, yeah, and he but was like playing terrible teams. Yeah, terrible teams with his 26-year-old Mormon offensive line. Like, these dudes already went on mission. They have families. They're done soaking. They, they know how to be responsible in their assignments. Speaking of soaking, that's basically what Zach Wilson was doing in the pocket. He was just sitting in there and not moving, and he was safe. God damn, that was a good metaphor, huh? <laughs> that was well done. I'm sure we just lost all of our Utah listeners, but... All those Mormons unsubscribing. Just a little dash of sacrilege with our quarterback evaluations. <laughs> what a blast like fun here. <laughs> uh, the heresy continues when we talk about his processing because it's just a thing he never had to do. Like Zach Wilson, everything was so easily defined. They ran a Shanahan-esque uh, spread zone West Coast offense at BYU his senior year. 
And if you paid attention to BYU football this past year in 2021, uh, it, it, the offense was secretly just as productive without Zach Wilson, which is scary. Um, anytime you draft a guy second well. overall, yeah. Anytime you dra- draft a guy second overall and the guy behind him plays just about as well, you should start shitting bricks or trying to draft that guy who replaced him because either that dude is awesome or something is wrong. You have made a bad investment. <laughs> So he never had to process at BYU, and I think that his accuracy issues with the Jets can largely be attributed to the fact that he was having a hard time going through progressions. There's a reason that Braxton Berrios finally broke out in year 97 of his career because Wilson couldn't get off the slot read. Like, it's closest to him. A lot of young quarterbacks start from the inside and work their way out when reading reading a play, and that's why slot receivers and tight ends often get so many receptions from young quarterbacks especially. He just lasered in and he was like, I got this guy. If I throw to him, I can't look stupid. And and there are less people to pick it. Well, when you're lucky, not when you're Zach Wilson, he managed to get those picks anyway. But yeah, could you imagine if he was thrown into crowds? Well, and then actually it kind of pisses me off because people use Zach Wilson's inability to throw outside not physically, but mentally, as like proof that Denzel Mims is a bust and sucks. I'm like, dude, he's still 6'4 and really fast with great ball skills. Like, there's a way to use him. They just didn't. It's not his fault. Anyway, not a Denzel Mims breakdown, Zach Wilson breakdown. It pissed me off. Genuinely pissed me off. Um, He can still make plays. Like, that's why he got the Mahomes comp- comps coming out. Like, he can run around. He can throw from all the arm angles. He is a playmaker in every sense of the quarterback playmaking word. He can run the ball a little bit. Like, He's playmaker. Totally. His deep ball sucks. It floats. He throws a Mitch Trubisky deep ball. It floats and dies on him. Um, in college, he showed good zip and an ability to attack the second level really well. I thought that was what was most appealing about him. And he was very consistent showing the, throwing the short routes. But again, that second level disappeared for him in the NFL. I don't know if it's because the windows got smaller. I, I really don't know. And it was difficult to judge because he was in and out with injuries. And the Jets were a disaster as it was. I'd like to give him another year. Um, he's one of those guys where I'm hopeful that in year two, he can show us why he was a high pick. But it was bad last year. And I'm doubting myself in saying that he could be average. Yeah, I I haven't seen a ton from him. Like, you knew he was going to struggle a bit coming in. But I didn't see the type of growth that I would have hoped for. And the negatives were a lot worse. Like, he really struggled reading the field. Uh, I mean, I know you talked about his arm strength and accuracy was not what you expected it to be either. Hopefully he can figure it out. But as of right now, yeah, he's he's the bottom of the barrel. I mean, again, he's only had one year. So we'll see. QBs, I think, normally take a couple to until you can really have a read on them. I mean, three I, years I, before you really have an idea. Unless I generally I generally don't believe that quarterbacks improve very much over the course of their careers, with the exception of your first year. I am super willing to just throw out the first year. Like That's shit true. happens sometimes. Like if if I saw potential in you coming out and you didn't show it your first year, I'd give you four or five more games. So like if, if we're week five and Zach Wilson's off to another slow start and having looked at their schedule might be the case. Okay. Maybe it's time to burn the witch, throw Mike White in. <laughs> I, like like week five, I think you should know if you have something at all. Yeah. And I think it's the same with Justin Fields. Same with Justin Fields. Same with any rookie quarter or second year quarterback who was a little disappointing in his first year. 
if by week five, the second year, you don't see something where you're like, ah, I think we got something, you don't have something. Yeah. If you haven't seen flashes by then or like a consistent streak, like I don't even need, you know, half a half a season, but give me three weeks of consistent good football. Yeah. And then I can have some hope about you moving forward. Yeah, just give me a couple games where it's like, okay, he put it together. There's a path. So far, yeah. we have not seen a path from Zach Wilson. I agree. So I, I think that that's our bottom tier. And what a tier it is. I mean, well, there is one guy who theoretically could possibly in some universe start this year from this tier. It's Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about Mitchell. Well. Uh, the, uh, the, the first quarterback I ever said, this dude fucking sucks and should not be drafted top five. Watching that draft with you was a religious experience. Would you like to tell the story of what happened when they drafted him? Yeah, so this was this was in college. Uh, it, we had a, a nice little draft party together, a bunch of people watching, fans from all different types of teams all over the country, diverse group, not a ton of Chicago Bears fans. And this was a draft where my, at the time, Cleveland Browns were picking number one overall, rumored to possibly take Mitch Trubisky, that Joe and I had both seen. Uh, how he played, and we're pretty convinced he was going to be horrible. Uh, Joe spent the night laughing at me about, oh, you guys are going to take him. You guys are going to take him. You're going to Browns it. And the Browns didn't Browns it, and they took Miles Garrett. We were all thrilled. He was actually very nice and happy for us. And then the Bears traded up. And then the sadness started to creep in because he could tell what was happening. He knew what was on the horizon. And then the Chicago Bears did the unthinkable and took Mitch Trubisky with the second round or second overall pick. And then I don't know if it was the first thing you said to me, but you just went sweet. The Bears just threw away the next five years of their franchise. I'll come back in five years. And guess what? (laughs) He was such a disaster that we didn't throw away the first the next five years. We threw away the next three. And then we did it again with Justin Fields, who's goddamn near a replica of him. So... I'm probably not coming coming back to the Bears for at least another two years, at which point they'll have a new coach and a new GM, and hopefully I'll be one of them. And maybe then they can get a quarterback who doesn't suck. But if we do, we'll probably treat him the way we treated Jay Cutler and run him out of town because, like, he pouts or smokes cigarettes. I'm just really glad that I ditched my job at Chipotle to watch that draft with you during my quote-unquote lunch break. I forgot about that detail. I, I, I sprinted over during my quote-unquote lunch break at Chipotle so that I could watch this happen. Fell to the ground on the verge of tears for the third straight year because Ryan Pace cannot draft, and that is literally when my Bears fandom died. And I literally invented the charting system that I do to this day. I mean, I've made I've made additions. I've really you know revamped the system, but I made it because Mitch Trubisky had one day where he threw for 275 yards, and I said 54% of these yards came after the catch. This is not him doing things. It's all short passes. It's pedestrian. And a light went off, and I went through and I watched every snap, and I said, "Look at that throw, pedestrian." And he got 10 yards. That throw was really good. That throw was elite. That throw should have been picked, and thus birthed the charts. Uh, what a fun rundown memory lane, man. I hate the Bears. Hey, well, on that note, let's talk about former number two overall pick by the Chicago Bears, Mitch Trubisky, and his prospects as a starting quarterback for those Pittsburgh Steelers. God, that story was so defeating that I legitimately forgot I was supposed to be breaking down Mitch. Um, yeah, so okay. Mitch is also Mitch is also a 1.7. I have him as the worst 1.7. He's below Lamar. Um, he is below Zach Wilson. 
He's below Jimmy Garoppolo. He um he sucks and a lot. <laughs> Uh, he has a B plus arm as far as strength goes. Like he, he can throw it a little bit. It's not a cannon, but he can get it anywhere it needs to go. That's certainly not a weakness in his game by any stretch of the imagination. His accuracy isn't even that bad because he can really drive the ball. He throws with really good zip and he can, he can put the ball basically anywhere. It's just the consistency, the way that I mean, he's got the same precision as like a Trey Lance where just the ball could slice or hook or dive or fucking sail on any throw. It could go anywhere. It's just fucking infuriating to watch. Um, I'll, I'm going to be quick because he might not even beat out Kenny Pickett for the starting job in Pittsburgh. I don't expect him to. Mitch's mobility is really underrated. He's got B-plus mobility, about same caliber as Jalen Hurts. People forget that he ran for like 700 yards in the year that the Bears made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got some good running ability. He, he really was, does. Uh, he was Mr. Ohio as a running back over Kareem Hunt back in the day. I think he was like eighth grade, but... I mean, like, he's he's legitimately a very good runner. I watched Kareem Hunt flip over a man into the end zone for a touchdown. He he literally just flipped over the guy. The defender was left standing there clutching air. It was absurd. In the NFL? No, that was when I was, like, 17. Sorry, I did not. I did not. You really should have left with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I watched him do it in a high school game. Okay. That is much. That is, like, not nearly as awkward of a statement to make. And I wish I had thought to play the letter, Kenny. I wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. <laughs> it's been a long off season. I'm, I don't. I don't even have a football team anymore, man. Like, be gentle with me. Well, I mean, I kind of lost one too because Baker doesn't have a team. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mitch's pocket IQ was never really the issue. He didn't take sacks unnecessarily, and he actually was pretty decent at reading a play pre-snap. It wasn't the worst thing of all time. The processing was. He just could not get through his reads. He would lock on to dudes. He would not make it to reads two or three. And when he did, his accuracy suffered greatly. Because of those legs and the solid arm talent, Mitch was a good playmaker, but his deep accuracy sucked. His short accuracy was worse. And his middle accuracy wasn't precise enough, consistent enough to be worthwhile. He was always on the edge of being an adequate quarterback in a very good offense under Nagy. And he never put it together. And Matt Nagy's brain broke and the Bears fell back to shit as I predicted they would. Yeah, I mean, it was a very, very strong prediction looking back on it uh, because we're, yeah, five years later, almost exactly. It's almost as strong as in 24, almost as strong as in 2014, my senior year of high school, where I sat at a lunch table with my buddies and I said, give it five years, Cam Newton will be out of the league. And they, this is when he was like, this is a year before he won MVP. And they were laughing at me saying, I'm a fucking idiot and I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I said, just look, he can't throw. The second he slows down, it's over. The second he can't run through dudes, it's over. And uh, I got a little help from an injury, but five seasons later, and he's getting laughed off of podcasts for insinuating he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks on earth in a goofy hat and tiny glasses. Well, that's just part of the aesthetic now. So I mean, that that finishes up our C-minus quarterback tier. These are all dudes who probably, I mean, like, seriously, they should not be starting. There are 32 better quarterbacks than them. And if you or starting one of these dudes, you can go acquire a guy who's better. It is possible. Like, obviously, you can go get Baker Mayfield, but even even if you don't want to make that big of a commitment, like, go trade for Gardner Minshew. It's easy. Drew Locke, it's possible. Yeah, I don't know how much of an upgrade any of those guys are going to be, but... I didn't say much. I'm just saying it's an upgrade. Those guys are outside the top 32 as well. Yeah. Case Keenum. Go get Case Keenum. That's a significant upgrade. (laughs) Is he even on a team? Giants. Oh, how about that? Or wait, go. 
It, maybe it's Bills. Yeah, well, Chase Daniel and Case Keenum I always get confused with, too. Chase Daniel is the Lions? Uh, it's that or char- Chargers? Yeah, he's on oh, the Chargers. Oh, yeah, Chargers. Let me, let me figure out Case. It, it's gotten harder to get a starting quarterback because I can no longer just say, go get Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah, your your go-to is falling off. You're right, Case is on the Bills. Yep. So he's he's clearly just entered the collecting a check era of his career. And you know what? Good for him. Yeah, I feel like he's kind of been in that era for a few years now, but yeah, he's very much in that now where it's like one year deals every. Case Keenum's career went from like hopping from team to team trying to stay in the NFL to one year of just lights the fuck out great football to collecting a check Chase Daniel style. Like it's the quickest turnaround between I cannot get into this league and I can hang in this league for as long as I want. Yeah. Till, like literally till he says I'm retiring, someone will pay him to be mentor backup QB. He'll be a backup till he's 40 years old. And you know what? Mm-hmm. He's just making up on all that NIL money he should have made at Houston. So it, or Texas right. Tech. So it's cool. I thought he was Houston. He's one of the two. They throw the ball a lot. Doesn't matter. Somewhere southern. Somewhere. So just a heads up, we totally intended to record a breakdown of all the position players and all the teams in the AFC and NFC West, but uh as you can tell, if you've made it this far, we spent an hour talking about four quarterbacks. So we're going to try to get to another podcast this week where we break down those those divisions. But uh, we're, we're freeballing a little bit. We're just trying to put out some summer content because we desperately want to talk about and think about football. And there's not a lot of people out there doing it right now. Yeah. All the, all the big-time podcasts have taken a little bit of a break. And so we figured we'd bless your podcast timelines with a little bit of football conversation. But uh, until next time, until we figure this out, hasta. <laughs>